and welcome to the Pink Isle. My name is Henry Kathman, and joining me, as always, is Emma Corey. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Hi, Emma. How are you today? Um, it's uh, it's a it's a day like any other day. I'm ready to watch some some Barbie. I am too. But first, we have the most important news to tell you guys today. As some of you might know, Mattel is a very extensive empire when it comes to their media production, but one property that has always eluded them is the major live-action motion picture. Sure, they've tried their hand at making Hot Wheels and maybe Max Steel a thing, but they can never get that to translate to live-action. But now, we got a new segment for you all. Barbie Live Action Watch 2019 to 2022, however long it takes for them to actually it's make this coming. movie. It's Eventually, coming. Eventually, yep. it'll get here. Yes, but here we're going to be laying out the news for the upcoming live action Barbie movie. Now, Mattel has been trying to make this sucker for many, many, many years. Like, ever since the 1990s, they've had a bunch of producers, they've had a countless number of screenplays attached to this, and a bunch of stars. Uh, most notably, uh, from a couple of years ago, was Amy Schumer. Yeah. When people sort of still cared about her. Yeah, I don't know what Amy Schumer is doing this day. So wasn't there, like, another person in between Tanya? Uh, sorry, I'm, I keep on wanting to call Margot Robbie Ta- Tanya Harding, excuse me. That's okay. A... <laughs> well, I guess the cat's out of the bag there, because now Mattel yeah. and Warner Brothers have teamed up once again to bring Barbie to the big screen, and this time... They have a stellar producer in Margot Robbie. Now, Ooh. Robbie is entering this film as both a producer and a potential star for this movie. Yeah. It's unclear at this point if she's still going to be starring as Barbie or if she's just going to be working in some production capacity, but yeah. it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, just to quote uh, Robbie, she says uh, to Variety magazine, Playing with Barbie promotes confidence, curiosity, and communication through a child's journey to self-discovery. Over the brand's almost 60 years, okay, that's a sentence, Barbie has empowered kids to imagine themselves in aspirational roles from princess to president. I'm so honored to take on this role and produce a film that I believe will have tremendous positive impact on children and audiences worldwide. I can't imagine a better partner than Warner Brothers and Mattel to bring this film to the big screen. Yeah, and this is intended to be like a launching point for like a Mattel film studio Mm -hmm. as the... Yeah, I mean, like like we said, Mattel's been trying to make this movie for a very long time, ever since Hasbro kind of broke the mold with Transformers Mm -hmm. and making those movies. Mattel's been trying to follow suit. Do you remember the Battlefield, the the Battleship Battleship? movie? That was another (laughs) big old attempt from Hasbro. That one didn't cap catch on but yeah it was it was a it was an attempt all right i must, hmm. I must say well to you warner brothers and to you margot robbie especially best of luck with your film production and we're going to be bringing you more news about this hotly anticipated film the more we find out about it but mm-hmm. the matter at hand today this week we are going to be uh watching another barbie movie yep. and this one is going to be one that both of us have fewer memories surrounding. Yeah, uh, so what year... So uh, we are going to be watching Barbie as Rapunzel, mm-hmm. released in 2002. So probably about like a... Was it like a year after Nutcracker then? Mm-hmm. It was only a couple of months after Nutcracker premiered that they went into production on this mm-hmm. thing. As we said in the last episode... 
Barbie and the Nutcracker made a lot of money in both the box office and in direct-to-DVD sales. Mm-hmm. It was the early 2000s, and I think direct-to-DVD was like, this is the best time for it to be around, it, you know? Because there really wasn't a whole lot there. Not everything had made the jump to it yet, so mm-hmm. they were able to sort of secure that little niche of theirs. But uh, in 2002, we got Barbie as Rapunzel. Looking through the cast and crew, there's a lot of returning voices in here. Just like in the last film, we have the director, Owen Hurley, who also directed Barbie and the Nutcracker. So we won't go into too much detail here. But interestingly enough, this movie has two writers that seem to be sort of a partnered brand deal with one another. Elena Lesser and Cliff Ruby looking at their IMDb, they've pretty much worked on the same stuff altogether. Mostly TV stuff, but... Yeah, we got uh, Balto in there, too. Yes, they are pretty much known for being writers for Balto, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the TV series, Dragon Tales, which, yeah, that's... Well, there is a dragon in Barbie as Rapunzel, so I guess it's on brand, Mm -hmm. so... But looking through it, they've actually... Oh, written a they, bunch of these movies. They wrote Mean Girls too. They no. wrote Mean Girls. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! And they got uh, and also one of the Land Before Time sequels. Yeah, appears. only one of them though. By yeah, the, that that one that came out in 2016. Yeah, it's certainly. Oh, they also did Cats Don't Dance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So you know, kind of like a sort of a mix of credits of pretty decent stuff and pretty kind of decent stuff, but. Somewhat yeah. under the radar, mind you, but... Oh, they, they wrote Barbie and the Magic of Pegasus, my favorite one, so... Oh, well, yeah. so, well, looking at this, they seem to have a lot of... There's a, very much a pretty consistent library with the Barbie movies, so we'll see how that translates with their movies. But one last thing before we dive straight into this movie. Uh, yeah. We have some pretty notable stars yeah, is in the, this production. The voice uh, Kelly Sheridan, is she the same one? Yeah, she's been at this for... A very long time, since 2001. But yeah, Kelly Sheridan, she's pretty much every single Barbie movie that's come out. Uh, Up until uh, Barbie and her sister's puppy rescue has been uh, pretty much consistently her. The main attractions, talent-wise, with these movies, Mm. as Mother Gothel. Just Gothel in this version, I'm Yeah, sorry, that's my tangled appreciation coming through, which, that's probably something we're gonna have to deal with when we talk about this movie. Yeah, we're gonna have uh, some tangled, I don't know, I think, you see kind of Rapunzel adapt a lot, I always think of, like, maybe Into the Woods as well. Yeah. It's also adapting that story, it's just... I was a very much latecomer to that. I never saw the play, and I only watched the movie, like, once, so. Yeah. But. I think the movie's okay, so. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. Yeah. But, uh, the other, uh, big star in this movie, voicing Penelope the Dragon, uh, Cree Cree Summers. Cree Summers. Yeah. She is a voice acting superstar. Mm -hmm. Pretty much most cartoons that you have seen today, she has probably done some voice for it. Yeah. Work for it. Everything from... Susie in Rugrats, she's been in Voltron, uh, she's voiced Princess Kida in Atlantis the Lost Empire, she's... Yeah, yeah. She's she was been... also uh, the voice of the green M&M for... I'm not sure if she still does it, but I know she was the voice. She's been in the game for a very long time, and she's definitely done a very good job cultivating a very distinct personality mm-hmm. with her stuff. So, yeah, Cleo, 
God. Cree Summer. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, she voiced Cleo in Clifford the Red Dog, and yeah, that's... I don't think I'd ever watched an episode of Clif- Clifford the Red Dog. Ooh. The, yeah, it's uh, That's a lot. There's a dog. He's big. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, there's a lot of drama with that one. But yeah, <laughs> Cree Summers. Definitely a great voice actress to yeah. look out for and see her work because she's she does a lot of really good stuff mm-hmm. so like uh like what kind of memories do you have with this movie so oddly enough my primary memories when it comes to barbie as rapunzel is mostly just the doll commercials which mm-hmm. as time goes on kind of tends to be your main reference point for a lot of these movies but i distinctly just remember seeing this trailer where a girl's playing with the rapunzel doll it's one of the life-size Rapunzel dolls. Oh, yeah. And the ones that you could strip the clothes off and try on for yourself, which is... Oh, okay. Yeah, you never saw yeah, those uh, Yeah, dolls? I do remember this, the, where they, they would have a thing where you would get, like, the doll that would have an outfit, and then there would be, like, a girl-sized version of the outfit, too. I don't know about wearing the doll's clothes itself, I thought it was. Though. I always thought it was the doll's clothes that you were... No, I always thought it was, like... A separate yeah, thing? you'd have like I don't know. There, there are some trends in dolls where people are like, see a girl, she just she just wants a doll that just looks exactly like her. Yeah. Because I remember American Girl had like that that thing where you could get like a custom doll that was. Like oh god, a that was no, that was a sign that you knew the rich girls. Oh yeah, oh man, I always wanted one of those. Like I got the magazines for them, but it was like my parents Same. were like, those are like two hundred dollars. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. much so. But yeah. the main reason I remember it was it was one of those commercials and the little girl's like, what do you think, Penelope? And Penelope's like, beautiful. <laughs> and just the way that Cree Summers <laughs> delivers that line I mean, they actually got her for the commercial itself? Or? I mean, it was probably just a clip from the movie that oh, they okay. got it from. So... Yeah, I know sometimes when they'll do like that, they they like won't have the rights to the voice actors, so they'll just like redub yeah. clips, and it's always a yeah. I remember there was an infamous one recently where there was like a Wreck It Ralph two spot on like Disney Channel, and they could, could couldn't pay John C. Riley, so they had someone <laughs> dub it over, but it was like a really bad dub over oh, of it. God, I was like, oh, that's so fun, but um. Yeah, I guess for me, for Barbie as Rapunzel, I remember having it on VHS and kind of mm. switching between watching this and watching the Barbie Swan Lake movie. Yeah. And even though I, like, remembered a lot of Swan Lake, I don't really remember that much about this one. I don't remember there being, like, really anything in it that stood out to me as much as a kid. I remember the whole thing with it was that, like, you know, most of these movies look kind of like give like Barbie a sort of like talent or skill that kind of focuses in this one. And for this one, like she was like a painter. Yeah. And she had like a magic paintbrush. And the only I remember they had the dragons in it. And the, mm-hmm. there was a whole thing where like instead of like the typical like Rapunzel is stuck in the tower and she can't leave the tower. They had like a magic A magical bear. portal that she activates yeah, that, through her paintings. God, it's been such a very long time since I read the original story. But I feel like that was actually part of the deal because in the original story at least uh after uh the the print for those spoilers for this like hundreds of year old uh yeah, story there isn't really like it's like a i think it, it's like a brother's grim tale is mm-hmm. it where it's sort but, of like uh 
Gothel discovers the prince, tosses him out a window, and he lands in a thorn bush, and it gouges his eyes out. Yeah, I don't she... think that'll be in this version. Just... Well, you never know. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I might have repressed it. It's true. Like... But uh, after which Gothel banishes Rapunzel to the desert. Uh-huh. And uh, while she's in the desert, she has a baby because she got pregnant from yeah. the prince. It and was specifically, she had, like, twins. So Yeah, yeah. and then the prince... Just wandering <laughs> happens to like find you her do as a want... blind person is like okay. That is very convenient though. Imagine like man, I'm just really wanting to find my love and children, and just randomly stumble upon them. You know, blindly stumbling around. That's yeah, a fairy tale. It's yeah, I guess so. <coughs> yeah, but the thing, the scene I remember, I remember there being a scene where she would like she was going to a ball or something, so she like painted out her dresses and she was like trying on all these different dresses yeah and being like i don't like this one but this one was better and me being as a kid being like i liked that other dress more barbie hmm. i don't agree with your opinions yeah i'll have to take your word for it because well i mean well, like i said yeah we'll be about to find out so i mean well we'll i, I guess if you want to know who if which dress we prefer, stay tuned, listener. Yeah, you know, you, I feel I'm going to be making a case for this dress. I'm okay, just well, saying. we might have to get into, like, a little debate team situation. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess then, without further ado, let's dive into Barbie. As at- Rapunzel. Starring in her new movie. Barbie as Rapunzel. She's trapped in the tower. The ball's in an hour. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. In a minute. Grow it longer down to there. Beautiful. Add more hair on. Now it's really long. Rapunzel, Rapunzel. Time to go. We have no fear. Penelope's here. So they went to the ball and lived happily after all. World of Rapunzel dolls, dragon, and play sets each sold separately. And we're back. So... So that was a um, very a very surprising experience. Yeah, it was it was a lot more dense than I was expecting it to be, but I definitely liked this a lot more than Nutcracker. Yeah, it definitely felt like a lot kind of like surprisingly meatier, and I was and I was wondering if maybe that's why it might have kind of like gone over my head a bit as a kid. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to it, but yeah. I mean, for a Barbie movie, there's a lot of layers, but I do know it's it definitely has a bit more of, like, a kind of complicated plot than your typical Barbie movie, I would say. Oh, I definitely agree. So, yeah, I guess that's as good a place as any to start. So, yeah. in typical fashion for a lot of these movies, uh, we begin with a little orchestral suite uh, that's playing over the credits. Yeah. And we said last time that the opening credits have a lot of surprising creativity behind them. And this one, they sort of keep up that theme as they... as They they kind of, like, go through, like, all the different art supplies. Because, like like I said, there just seem to be, like, a theme of having, like, some kind of, like, specific talent that they really emphasize that the Barbie characters doing this one is more focused on painting. art and painting, which I just kind of realized when I was watching it, and I was like, oh, yeah... That other Rapunzel movie has Rapunzel be a painter. Yeah, so. well, interesting thing about Tangled, 
I was worried that when we were going to start making these, uh, when we were going to start watching this movie, I was worried that there were just going to be way too many comparisons with Tangled. But as it turns out, not a whole lot. It's... It's very interesting because they don't really tell Rapunzel in a traditional way here, which we can get into yeah. more later as we get to spe- specifics. But uh, during the opening, we do get this kind of orchestral score, and uh, it's like it's original music. Like yes, this said. is completely originally produced music uh, made by uh, Arnie Roth. And turns out he's a classically trained violinist. He has been trained as a conductor and... Uh, yeah, he... And all his credit, his composer credits are Barbie movies. Well, he also... (laughs) Well, well, he's also a member of the Chicagoland Pop Orchestra and has done several concerts for a play, a video game symphony, various Final Fantasy concerts, and dude's put in the work. And he's definitely... It definitely shows, because this is a... This is a surprisingly beautiful score. Like, yeah, if you, you ever uh, watch those uh, CGI Tinkerbell movies, it's kind of sort of. Yes. I've noticed a lot of sort of like a uh, girl media will have that sort of like Celtic kind of sound mm-hmm. to the yeah, music. Yeah, definitely. Have, and that's definitely in this. But he's been. He composed Nutcracker and he's been. And he composed pretty much all the movies up till 2008. So. Which is, yeah, I guess we didn't put a whole lot of thought into the score with the Nutcracker because we assumed. I guess I kind of assumed it was all just Tchaikovsky, but. Yeah. He probably ended up producing some of the in between tracks between the big major suites. Yeah. So we do the big uh, credit sequence through the painting supplies. And we pan to. And then Kelly is having an issue again yeah. that Barbie needs to. Uh, Tell her a completely unrelated story, unrelated to her problems, to get her back on track. Yeah, I just, I mean, the problem is that she is worried about not knowing what to paint, and she's worried that, what if she doesn't like it, and it's like, okay, but Rapunzel, oh, but Barbie's like, Uh oh, you need to be brave, like Rapunzel. <laughs> then she's like, okay, I, now I, I know you're having issues, but I'm just going to go off on this very random tangent. And just yeah. so you know, Rapunzel in the story, she doesn't even have to try to be a good painter. Yeah. It's, so this isn't really like, relevant at all. So. Yeah, like, spoiler alert, the framing device for this movie is very, like, yeah. not necessary. I'd like to think that Barbie just, like, she's just like... Oh man, Kelly is on again. Man, I really want to tell this elaborate story. I gotta find find a way. I'll <laughs> insert some painting in there, and it'll be tangentially related. God, oh my God! Like I, I can imagine this happening to Kelly a lot. Oh man, Barbie, I just burnt my toast. Well, that reminds me of the story of Princess Elvistaria. Elvistaria. She, she liked baking bread. So, <laughs> like, Barbie, I'm scared to go to school. You know who else went to a school? The Little Mermaid. Yeah, she went to. She went to mermaid school. school. Yeah, and then you watch the actual movie, and it's like. Okay. It's How not did... even. Oh man. I mean. It's not the worst thing in the world that it's not completely related, but... It's just kind of funny, I think. Like, Barbie is always like, I wonder if, like, 
Kelly ever feels inadequate because Barbie's showing off all her, like, yeah. effortless, amazing talents all I the mean, time. She's, like, your sister's an astronaut, like, ran for president. Yeah. It's got to weigh she down on the poor dance, girl. She can dance, she can paint, she can do whatever else. It's a... It's a whole thing. Anyway, but this is kind of tapping into something a little later and how, like, this movie has a lot of really interesting messages and there's some underlying themes that keep playing throughout yeah, the movie. and there's some, uh, some like, parallels and stuff that they do to get their theme across. And it's definitely, it's done in a way where it doesn't feel like the the message they're going for is pretty obvious, but it doesn't feel like they, like, need to hammer no, it No, they really head. don't. Which is really strange because it almost... Considering how unrelated it is to the lesson within the framing device, as well as the fact that it's so subtle, it almost makes it feel like it was something they just stumbled into without actually intending yeah. for it to be a part of the story, which, I mean, points for doing it if that was the case, but I guess it kind of just calls into question, like, the validity of some of these framing devices. But we'll get into the subtleties of these sort of lessons as we go on. Yeah, let's just get into it. So essentially, they sort of establish that uh, we have Rapunzel, who, when you first meet her, she isn't in a tower. No. She's in this, like, kind of manor situation that's sort of hidden in the woods by a magical barrier. Yep. Yeah. Yep, it's just... And no one can find it. And not only that, it's guarded by a large evil dragon. Evil quotation marks. Evil quotation marks. He's, he's, he's got some issues, but mm-hmm. it's okay. But, yeah, and so you do kind of notice it sort of, they sort of just kind of, like, uh, put you into the plot very quickly without really kind of, like, establishing, which is sort of, like, uh, unusual, I think, for, like, a fairy tale story. Yeah, I think... I think what they were kind of hedging their bets, like, this is an hour and 30 minute long movie. They were probably, they were probably told by Mattel, like, keep it under 90 minutes, we got it. We can't make this thing, like, Lord of the Rings level intricate. Yeah. But it's interesting, because it's, it initially does seem a little jarring, some of the first impressions, just because of how sudden they are, and how, like, little buildup there is to the initial characterizations, but I feel like that ends up being in service because, one, most people already have some basic idea of Rapunzel, even though this story doesn't exactly fully relate to Rapunzel. And also, it uh, gives us a lot more time to see how these characters develop. Yeah, so we're essentially, we're we're introduced to Rapunzel, and she's, like, just kind of sitting in this sort of, like, manner that she lives in and she has her two friends which is our kind of like sort of comic relief characters we got the first one which is penelope who is like a young dragon voiced by Cree summer yeah and she definitely steals the show quite a bit uh they're also accompanied by a hobby who is this he's uh, he's just a a bunny he's a bunny but he's got anxieties he's he keeps on eating, and we didn't really go into the other voice actors for this. Kelly Sheridan is back for Barbie slash Rapunzel, and we have Ian James Corlett as Hobie, and... Apparently he's Goku, I don't, I don't Yeah, know. okay, so looking back, we checked his IMDb page again, and turns out, yeah, uh, he what 
alongside being uh one what was his name captain candy yeah captain candy from the last movie he's which, back which hey props to having some surprising uh vocal range with that but yeah, yeah but for a very brief time ian james corlett voiced goku master roshi and doctor oh he was credited as jerry j todd yeah You'll sometimes see that happen. He did a pretty good job voicing both Roshi and Goku, so I would never have pictured it from this little rabbit. See, aren't voice actors amazing? They truly are. Uh, Hobie is this very anxious rabbit, and he's got to keep his ears out because Gothel might come back. Yeah, he's he's sort of more of a kind of simpler character. Mm -hmm. But I'd say... Penelope is actually, they actually give her a pretty good subplot. Yes, again, credit to Kree Summers, but they give her a lot of depth and development because her problem is that uh, she isn't a traditional dragon. She doesn't uh, know how to fully breathe fire. She's not confident enough to Yeah, she's kind of like clumsy and like a bit of a coward. Yeah, but that all changes a little later on. But she spends her free time, I should specify, uh, but Rapunzel spends her free time painting beautiful pictures of places that she wishes he could go. From yeah, like... they kind of established that Rapunzel is uh, trapped mm-hmm. here, and that's when we sort of get the introduction to our Gothel, voiced by Angelica Houston. Yes, and uh, it's very interesting. I'm Again, I don't want to put too many parallels between this and Tangled, but there's a very distinctly different ways that they... That Disney and uh, Mattel have interpreted this character of Gothel, yeah. whereas Disney put made it more to be like a passively abusive mother situation. Angelica Houston's Gothel, she Reese, is straight up evil with no bounds. Yeah, it's it's very much Lady Tremaine evil stuff. Yeah, if mother. you watch this movie, it it almost has more resemblance to Cinderella than yes. it does to the Rapunzel story. Which is strange. Part of me thinks that it might be because, uh, perhaps Mattel initially started developing this movie as a Cinderella movie, but they realized, wait. Disney already kind of has a threat. Like, they already have a foothold on that. So why not differentiate in fairy tales that, as of at that point, hadn't been uh, adapted into Disney movies? Yeah, because if you watch it, like, it's not like a Tangled situation. She essentially treats... She doesn't really have any sort of motherly inclinations to Rapunzel. She essentially does kind of treat her pretty much as a servant Mm -hmm. or pretty much a slave since she can't leave exactly so it's uh and then there's like there's like one scene where she's like i gotta keep you in here to protect you from the outside world but it's like not really kind of congruent to anything else because yeah that's kind of the only time they ever bring it up. yeah because like rapunzel doesn't really seem to have any like fear of the outside world when she goes out there no and i mean obviously i feel like at kind of comparing Tangled in this movie is kind of an apples and oranges situation because mm-hmm. they're both they were both created under very different circumstances and uh Tangled they had a different sort of mold to work with yeah whereas Mattel had like they kind they give her a strong independent characterization but that's somewhat hampered by 
the need to work with the brand. She's not allowed to be as flawed as some of the Disney princesses. Yeah, you like do Rapunzel. notice that she isn't like. She never really seems to get like <coughs> too overtly upset about her situation. No, and she... it definitely seems like you know she's allowed to like feel things, but they also kind of want to still keep an air of like this is Barbie and she's very you know uh, polite and pretty. Yeah, you know? I mean. I feel like at this point in the early part of the movie, that actually kind of might fit, though. Like, yeah. being in this sort of situation, it might cause them to be less inclined yeah, to stick up for themselves. Like, but there, Yeah, there's no, like, kind of, like, passive mani- manipulation here. Like, Gothel in this one straight up kind of, like, threatens her with violence. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, it, it's just, it's very different things. But I do think that... They still end up pulling it off very nicely, which mm-hmm. is, and it's greatly assisted by Angelica Houston's performance. Like, there's a reason why she's most known for playing these sort of evil uh, witch-like figures from Ever After and the witches. Yeah. And, I mean, Morticia Adams Morticia also. But she, is that's a good, a, that's okay? A different, that's yeah. a very different type of she's, performance there. But she is also phenomenal uh-huh. at that. Yeah. Yeah, so to move on, we... Essentially, while she, after, like, kind of tending to Gothel, and there is also, back to Cinderella, there is a scene that is kind of similar to, like, that Disney anime movie. Yeah, where, where she's, like, like, laying in the bed and, like, kind of intimidating. And it's like, her. you have to make sure you do every single job, and oh, I yeah. do this for you, and all that. And also, we have a, she has a weasel oh. companion <laughs> that is very uncomfortably gay coded which is kinda, yeah oh, what was uh, that fool's name it was auto uh, auto auto weasel yeah Ugh. he's he's like he is very Ooh, darling yeah Ooh, he's I'm... he's doing Ooh, the yes, hand motions and it's yeah it's oh sachet chante yeah he's like um mm. it's not it's not a good look no it's i mean <laughs> like to put this in perspective if this character was made today, it would be like him being like, Yas Queen! No. Like that level of kind of lazy no, stereotyping. No, definitely, it's, it's very much early 2000s, like, this is what we're going for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As she's doing her duties, I guess they knock over one of the Yeah, uh, they kind of get into a they... slapstick routine with uh, Penelope, because Penelope can't light a fire because that's like a thing a thing that she has to deal with yeah and so they accidentally open up like a secret stairway to the underground Mm -hmm. and they go down there and there's like this secret room full of like old stuff including like letters credit or credits do they do some nice foreshadowing where they find an old picture of gothel with another man whose face is slashed out of the picture, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah. There actually, there is kind of like a mystery sort of plot they have yes. going on here. And I do think, like, it wasn't... I mean, after about halfway through, like, you know, like, you I mean, know, you know yeah. what's gonna go Like, on. if you're an adult, you could probably figure this out in a couple of seconds. Yeah, but, but, like, as a kid, this actually has, like, some nice layers of intrigue and mystery behind it. And it... I don't know, it... it it's And it's all in service of, like, giving these characters some depth and, like, yeah. emotional development. Which, hey, good on you there. Uh, but, uh, basically... 
she finds a uh, little hairbrush. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's labeled with stuff like I don't I don't remember the Yeah, line. essentially it says that it's it's like it's to her from her parents, mm-hmm. she noticed. And so which will that magic hairbrush will well, she doesn't know it's magic yet, but it'll be coming back later yes, on. Later on. And uh through some other shenanigans they find out there's a little tunnel underneath everything. Well that's not a little that's not until a little later, because first the first thing that happens is they bring the tea uh after they discover the underground secret passage thing, uh that's when Rapunzel brings the tea to Gothel, right? No, I think no? that was before. Oh, I think okay. it's all in the same scene where she finds the yeah. tunnel. Because after she finds the tunnel, she just like goes straight down into there. Yep, after Penelope accidentally breaks a hole in the ground. Yeah, Penelope just like that that's like their their strategy. They just need to have her just like stumble around and find more secret passages. I, I mean, it's, it's bound to happen eventually, so Yeah, I might mean, as they well. apparently they've been living there. They've all been living there their whole <coughs> life. It's yeah, assumed. Uh, if it's like if it's to be believed, it's maybe like approximately 18 years, which yeah. seems to be the age they're going for for Barbie and uh this movie's equivalent of Ken. Mhm. And speaking of Ken, uh, Barbie, after finding the tunnel, uh, after Vanellope opens a hole down in the storage room, uh, she follows it down and she finds a village yeah. with a castle. Oh, and it's... Uh, a very small village a to very be small village. A but castle. credit where credit's due. Last episode, we did talk a lot about how in uh, the Nutcracker movie, there was a very... Matte painting, painting. Type yeah, deal. yeah. Where it, it's a lot of scenery looked very flat and kind of lifeless. But in this movie, even though this movie has only been produced like a year after Nutcracker, a whole lot of stuff has definitely improved. Like the performance capture seems a lot less uncanny. The yeah. facial expressions have definitely improved, and the sceneries especially look uh, a lot more lifelike. Yeah, they're definitely going through. For like a more kind of realistic-ish mm-hmm. looking, which you know makes sense because it kind of just takes place in the real world. So, yeah. You know. But uh, as she's okay, this scene is not important. But she's journeying through the village. Yes. The... And and there's like a baker. He's like a Swedish chef. Yeah. He's, got, like, an He's like, oh, hello there, miss. That's uh-huh. not even remotely. Yeah. It's... Yeah. She 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 stiffs him. She's like. He's like, do you want to get my cinnamon rolls? And she's like, no, thank you. And then and he she just, just walks away. And, and, then... and he's just like standing there with this, just this lifeless grin. Like he doesn't change facial expressions throughout this entire movie. Which... See, that's the best character in the movie, <laughs> I felt. Like he was like just trying to go through his He's day. just doing his thing. I but know. yeah. Um, let's see. Well, after that, uh, eventually she wanders outside of the city. And... Yeah, and you know when you're just walking around and you see a child fall into a thorn pit and you gotta... You gotta help him out. Yeah, so there are these three Kelly-equivalent doll oh, people Oh, yeah, they that needed the around. obligatory child characters that don't really do anything, but you can put, can put them in different outfits. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta, gotta make them... Three children riding one horse at once, which is not a... It's not what you do. No, that poor, I feel so bad for that poor horse. Yeah, the voice is named, like, a Botticelli or yes, something. Yes, Botticelli, like, which, 
Okay. Yeah. Painting reference. Barbie just gets like, I feel like they have good horse names. Like you had Marzipan in the last one. And Monticelli in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we established in Barbie, every movie you need to have some kind of like horse that can come with a little carriage Mm -hmm. that Barbie can go with. As they're trying to grab more flour, no, apples for Botticelli. Yeah. One of them falls into this big pit full of like spiky roots that, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, and that, that, it seems actually j- dangerous. Like, that's the thing with this movie. The stakes, like, this they're. Children get put in mortal peril many times in this movie. Yeah, they, they actually do seem like they put like actual stakes and uh, potential... It it feels a lot more visceral, and I think that helps to make uh, the story a lot more engaging. And But uh, soon, uh, Barbie starts pulling her up, and... Yeah, and unlike the the last movie, when another person was hanging on from a ledge, she actually goes to help them. Yeah, she actually goes to help them, so... So already, uh, uh, Rapunzel has a step up over Clara, so... Maybe maybe the folk... Maybe Mattel had, like, a focus group situation where they're like, we need to have Barbie actually do more (laughs) stuff in this one, okay? Yeah. It's like... So... Mm-hmm. That she does, but yeah, we uh, still wouldn't get a sword fighting Barbie though until they did like that Musketeers movie. So well, yeah. we'll well we'll see. Yeah, but uh, it looks like Barbie was about to fall into the pit also, but she is saved by a mysterious prince. Or like... well, she doesn't know that he's a prince, but yeah, it's it's the Ken uh, mm-hmm. equivalent. Yes, Stefan in this one. So. Hmm. Yep, and uh, before they can actually know each other's yeah, they names. Start, they, well, essentially, they just kind of ran into each other, and of course, that means they're instantly in love. Yeah, yeah. that's still something that yeah. could stand to be improved, but even at this point, Disney wasn't even able to shake that sort yeah. of thing until a little later, so. Yeah, it starts, uh, it essentially, the sun goes down, she realizes she has to go back but mm-hmm. while she was out there we forgot to mention uh we were introduced to penelope's father yes in, back at the manor uh a uh very imposing dragon named hugo and can i just say shout out to hugo's uh voice actor uh david k he does a mostly narration work he was most recently a narrator for kingdom hearts 3 but like, he had a very soothing English voice that, yeah. like, it was something like, oh. Like, I'd listen to, like, him read Shakespeare or, like, an audiobook or something. Like, yeah. it was a very nice voice. But... Yeah, so we, we meet Hugo. He flies over, and he's, like, kind of lecturing Penelope because he feels like she isn't, like, a... Proper dragon. Yeah. She, a regal dragon. Yeah, because she's, like, you know, she doesn't really want to be mean and scary and she can't and she's too afraid to fly over the magic Mm -hmm. wall and yeah and this is where we're kind of getting into a lot of that like uh subtle thematic depth to this Mm because an underlying theme to this movie ends up being like uh this desire to subvert uh detrimental traditional expectations which feels appropriate for the image barbie was trying to go for with these movies but because uh, with this movie, uh, uh, Gothel expects Barbie to be this sort of passive figure that just 
is a servant. Yeah. And uh, Hugo expects Penelope to uphold these uh, stifling traditions where yeah. uh, the dragon's code where they're supposed to be fierce and evil and yeah. all that but stuff. But it's almost sort of like established that Hugo's kind of expectation for her, it's like we sort of learn later that he's kind of in his own situation. It's almost as if emotional suppression and stuff that could be associated with perhaps toxic masculinity might be a prison in its own type. Yeah, Ooh. but he is also literally trapped as well, <laughs> just yeah. to be clear. Yeah, that's, That yes. gets established. Oh, yeah, and we forgot to mention when she was with uh, Prince Stefan, he established how, like, there's a conflict between his father, the king, and the king of a neighboring kingdom. Yeah, and they never say it's an actual war. Mm -hmm. They call it a feud. Which yeah, because feels... it seems more, they almost established it's more of them just kind of like pranking, pranking each yeah. other. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Which pranks apparently include setting up uh, thorn traps for children to fall into. I mean, if you've ever seen prank YouTube compilations. It's that's... just a prank, bro. Yeah, that's not too far off. You impaled my child. <laughs> Just like, for YouTube. Yeah, gotta do it for the Vine. R.I.P. <laughs> no, it's not do it for the Vine anymore. It's do it for the TikTok account. Oh, so. anyway, so yeah, they they subtly indicate that there's this feud going on, mm -hmm. and we'll get more into the feud, but that's also very thematically relevant. But uh, by the time Rapunzel's running back, turns out Otto has been watching the whole time. Uh-huh. He was, was putting together his little mitts, yeah. making uh, noises. His little toe beans. Yeah. His, <laughs> his weasel toe beans. But yeah. Rapunzel ends up getting back, and Gothel ends up being completely pervy to this whole situation. Yeah. That's another interesting thing. Like, they don't... They don't really do the whole, like, you think they're going to do maybe sort of like a... A deception Ooh, she where she's has hiding. To deceive, yeah. but like now, Gothel finds out pretty quickly, mm -hmm. and as soon as Gothel finds out, like, <coughs> she's confronts uh, Rapunzel in her room, and she tries to essentially get her to tell because she hears Rapunzel talking about the man she met because she's mm -hmm. telling like a uh, Hubie and, and uh, a Hobie and yeah. Penelope. Yeah, they're she's talking about. And he was the most handsome man I ever met. Which is like, okay, movie, you gave Hobie the line, all right, and how many men have you met? So it's yeah, like, so yeah. It definitely comes across of like the girl instantly falls in love with first man she sees. What is kiss? Oh, man. Yeah. And, th and that line, like, she should have gone for the Swedish baker, though. I mean, <laughs> he's, got, he's got a job. He's got... Baking, uh, you'd be able to provide. I'm just saying. Just, no, that <laughs> face though. It was like a, a frozen hey, face. Hey, that's a face that's disguising a pure heart inside. Okay. Or a burning passion for murder. <laughs> you think he's like running like a Sweeney Todd situation? You know, they never went into detail about what was in those pies. I mean, he. he he was a little bit suspicious. <laughs> but anyway, so Gothel sees it, and so she essentially tries to get uh, Rapunzel to tell her the, the name of the man she met, which Rapunzel did not get his name. Didn't get his name. So and she, she didn't get her name. Yeah, so she wants his name, because Gothel essentially 
They don't make it clear at first, but they make it very clear later on. She wants to murder him to prevent... Very hard, yeah. To prevent Rapunzel from possibly escaping her and situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is where uh, Barbie's consistent characterization mm-hmm. comes into play in a very effective way. Like, we sort of criticize how somewhat bland Barbie is, but they actually kind of play to her that as an advantage in this one because uh gothel does not believe her when she says i don't know who he is and it barbie's very paragon always tells the truth always does good thing it kind of shows where that characterization like falls into place because like you get sort of the impression that if she did know his name she wouldn't lie about it yeah which which kind of like shows an interesting flaw with a lot of these sort of Paragon characters that I think yeah, we don't explore I mean, enough in fiction. Yeah, I never... It's interesting, you don't really see, like, a lot of children's media kind of acknowledge that, like, there are certain situations where li- it's actually a good thing to lie yeah. about things, like, yeah. in order to protect people. And, uh, yep. And so, I don't really know. They don't really go in that direction, so it's like... Well... Gothel ain't having it, so she destroys all of Rapunzel's paintings and paint supplies, and, uh... And she, she threatens to, like, torture the little rabbit. That yeah, feed it, like, feed him to the weasel. Mm-hmm. And this entire time we were wondering, huh, this, she's in a mansion. There's, there's the no ta- tower. Yeah, yeah, there's no tower, but surprise, surprise, uh, Gothel magically turns Rapunzel's room into an, a tall yeah, tower where is, she can't It does escape. the haunted mansion uh, to stretch, stretch it in the room. room. Yeah. yeah. At this tower point, I think it's start, time we start mentioning how this doesn't really like line up to any traditional Rapunzel style because we haven't even mentioned her hair. Yes. Yeah. She has long hair, but her long hair isn't really relevant to anything in yeah, this it, one. Yeah, it's really... It's very much an incidental part of her character. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't really play into it that much but yeah well Rapunzel is uh stuck in the tower and she doesn't have her paints anymore yeah and so we kind of cut to uh the the prince now and we Mm -hmm. sort of like see he has like all these siblings like yeah which are I'm pretty sure the models of these kids are just reused from Nutcracker yes they got the same bull head they got the bull head kid with like the bows and arrows and they got the blonde kid and the blonde girl Mm -hmm. and the brown haired girl Mm -hmm. yeah I, I it's strange that those are such a common fixture in these movies but they, so they establish they uh they want for he wants to try to find her. Mm-hmm. Has guards not... scouring the entire lands for this beautiful woman. Yeah, so very I said Cinderella thing going in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and during this time, it's when we get a dream sequence, which is actually our only glimpse in the entire movie to like the traditional Rapunzel like long imagery. hair. Yeah, because this is the only scene that she actually has like the tower length long hair, and we get a dream sequence where she thinks she sees the prince, and she like, and he climbs her hair, uh-huh. and it gets interrupted by, by a giant Gothel that mm-hmm. destroys them and picks uh, Rapunzel up and won't let her go, which. Okay, props to you. Way to 
subtly reinforce this characterization. But also, what was the point of this thing? Like, like it's almost like they felt like they needed like to have that traditional Rapunzel. Since yeah, they realized they weren't going to be like doing the story in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So the the kind of like meat of the Rapunzel <coughs> story isn't really present in this. Well, I think it's present in the sort of dynamics yeah. presented between like the mother figure that is like. Yeah. doesn't respect but like, her individuality yeah. but but like i said when i think in even in the original story most interpretations where it's a bit more kind of like subtle here it very much is a lot more cinderella e servant yeah dynamic going yeah. on so but yeah and we also kind of i'm not sure if they establish it during that time but they kind of establish the gothel's relationship to hugo yeah, because uh, she when the tower goes up, uh, Gothel's like, make sure that she doesn't leave the tower, or else like you're gonna get it. Yeah, so they essentially established that like the dragon, the big dragon, is also a trapped here, mm-hmm. very similar to like Rapunzel is like and threatened with violence. Like, of course they don't say like kill because of the kids movie, but they pretty much established that like if he screws up, that she will kill this dragon and it kind of shows how like toxicity in terms of relationships begets more toxicity almost kind of like taking it out on his daughter yeah like it, it's a very but it's not in a more spiteful a, way yeah more of just like a emotionally being emotionally distant yeah and he does kind of like it's more like he sort of wants her to build her up and be strong because that's how he's kind of been able to survive the situation he is Mm -hmm. in. Because if he isn't, he gets killed, so... Yeah. God, there's a whole lot to this movie. During this time, uh, Penelope and uh, Hobie take to making new paints for Rapunzel. Oh, and we didn't even mention the weird comet thing! The... So, while Rapunzel is asleep, a shooting star flies across the sky and it splits off and hits the paintbrush she found. The hairbrush at this point. Yes, because it turns it into a paintbrush by magic, which... Okay. So, they don't really ever really explain where the magic comes from in this universe. It's just like, she wished it and now there's magic. Just... Yeah, she did say before she went to sleep how she wished to be free, so maybe that was the whole yeah. deal behind it, but mm-hmm. it, it was a little, it was somewhat contrived. But Yeah, and before, in the next scene, they kind of established, like, they're sending out this party. They send these two, like, doofus guards <laughs> yes. out that are the typical kind of, like, fat, skinny, dynamic thing. Yeah, one's cowardly, on. one's bombastically yeah. oh. Like overcompensating, yeah, and so they kind of established that the Hugo, the dragon, is there to kind of like keep anyone from wandering too closely. Yeah, so they they scare him off, and we get some uh, amazing comedy routines with them trying to explain to the prince yeah. who is having this ball thing going on. That they're trying to get her to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah because uh, the prince is having his 18th birthday, mm-hmm. and. And these guards roll up and they talk about the dragon and he just doesn't believe them and is like and one of the guards insinuates that she's dead and it's like what are you doing uh... that's your employer yeah it's sort of a pointless scene because like yeah it felt like it was something that was tacked on 
for like the boys in the audience because it because at the very end it's like they got their underwear, underwear exposed. exposed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it felt very juvenile and tacked on. Yeah. So anyway, we go back to there, and uh, Penelope and Hubie are making her paints from berries in the garden, which. Penelope makes a thing about, like, the rabbit eating all the berries, even though you look around and there's, like, plenty of berries yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It's like... After another stern talking to from her father, uh, they fly up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has these new paints, and she decides to paint on the walls. But she doesn't have a paintbrush. But, oh, Hobie found this one. Yeah. Which, okay... I don't want to spend too much time on this, but why didn't they just make, like, the hairbrush a paintbrush the entire time? You know, I don't really know. That, it feels like that would have been more thematically relevant to the yeah. framing device. Like, it could have just... Well, oh, I know why. Because if she had the paintbrush, they probably would have, like, destroyed uh, it. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. So, yeah, she would have taken okay, it Okay, yeah, covering so races. Yeah, okay. so it does actually make okay. sense why they would do that. Yeah, apologies, anyway. movie. So uh, she, she dips it in the berry juice, and she starts to paint on the wall, and lo and behold... It's magic! We get that, that Celtic music coming back Yes. In, and she paints the... And for her, she doesn't even have to, like, put any effort. She puts her paintbrush... Yeah, she just kind of, like, drags it across the wall, and this beautiful landscape yeah. of the village and the castle just magically form yeah establish it's kind of like sort of like she needs to picture the location in her mind or the object in her mind and that's kind of like what creates it mm-hmm. but you think it would be a very uh op'd item if you really explore just what something like yeah that like you could do. picture like i don't know the surface of mars and like make a vacuum or, and it's established because she creates a dress later mm-hmm. so she can just like create, create any, object, any objects that she wants. paints a gun <laughs> just like <laughs> I, I know mean, it's the just... 17th century, so yeah, guns yeah, exist. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But the <laughs> so she ends up picturing the kingdom, and uh, Hobie gets knocked into it for slapstick reasons. And what? It's a portal. Yeah. And she like well uh, at first like a butterfly kind of flies. Yes, and they just that just flies past them metaphorically and literally. Like they do not. Like, put much thought into that. Yeah. But regardless, uh, Rapunzel decides to step in through the painting and... Oh, yeah, before that, that she does that, though, she kind of puts out her hand and she takes back up and there's a little birdie. There's a little birdie Which there. is That's like, just... you know how, like, you just open your door and put your hand out and a bird just instantly, like, goes on your hand? I'm just picturing, like, just some bird that was just sitting on a tree just minding its own business and then suddenly, like, this hand... This pop, fist comes this out. This fist comes out like... and it's just like, ah! And, <laughs> I mean, it's not too far away from its home, but it, I bet that bird was somewhat inconvenienced. Yeah, and so she pops out and... Lo and behold, she's right where Stefan is. Mm-hmm. And, okay, this makes, like, the earlier comedy scene even more weird because he's, like, doesn't believe in dragons, but he sees this magic stuff going. And he's just yeah. kind of, like, unperturbed by Yeah, it. he just... Like, later... They just gloss over a lot of the magical like elements he, of this uh-huh. story. Like, this, he sees Penelope later, and he's not even phased. It's just like... Well, I mean, he is kind of like, why are you friends with the dragon? But at least it's established, like, people know dragons exist in this universe. So it does make it kind of weird that he was, like, disbelieving of them talking about dragons earlier. So, 
Okay, uh, I want to just pause something, because I'm looking back over the Wikipedia article of this just to make sure that we have these plot points laid out, but according to the article, it says that she wakes up and reads the engraving on her hairbrush, and she meets her young fairy godmother, Alice, who what? appears magically, who, what? Who's told her that she can transform her hair brush into a paintbrush with magic and Rapunzel recites the engraving on the... That what? Does not... That was not in the version that we saw. No. We watched the version of Barbie and Rapunzel on Amazon Prime, so maybe there's some deleted scenes behind this? Me? Uh, that's it's weird for that to be on the Wikipedia yeah. article though. Like, did the person who read it just like? Because that almost sounds like something they would have like cut out. And yeah, just, yeah, I agree. That's so strange. Mm -hmm. Now I'm what? glad you pointed that out. That's very. Uh, that does explain like where the magic came from. At the same time, it just brings up so many questions. Like, who is this Alice lady? Yeah. What? Why well, isn't she helping? Realize like why have this random character that just shows up and helps once and never comes back? Like, yeah. Yeah, that is very bizarre. Okay. But either way, going off from that, if anyone out there uh, can solve the mystery as to what that what this missing scene is, <laughs> yeah, please reach out to us oh, uh, man. on Twitter at Pink Isle Pod. Uh, that's the Pink Isle Podcast, but. Uh, yeah, so she and Stefan are talking more about the area around them and how the... F and Rapunzel thinks this whole feud thing is completely pointless. And Stefan is inclined to agree. Mm -hmm. It should be noted that Rapunzel makes a point of telling him not to tell his name. Yeah. Yeah, which points to Stefan. He respects her boundaries yeah. and doesn't... Like, when she asked him to do something... Yeah. He did, he did, yeah. So Stefan, he's. A, I thought he was a pretty decent male lead. I think he had like a bit more personality than yes. the Nutcracker Prince. So yeah, he. I think the interesting thing about this prince versus the other prince, like both princes had to deal with the fact that oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to become king, mm -hmm. and maybe it's because uh, Stefan has like a fa an actual father figure that has like this sort of like baggage. It yeah. adds to more conflict because. Uh, as we go on, Stefan sees all the various problems with this feud and the problems that it creates for all yeah, these sort of he people. Yeah, he has, like, later on he has an argument with his father where he kind of talks to him. His father is like, you're too young to understand. Mm -hmm. So another thing about the whole uh, repression mm -hmm. and being set in your ways thing. Yeah, and there, there's definitely a theme of breaking cycles of abuse and... Uh, oppression and that sort of thing which yeah. hey good on you barbie you? I think but it's, it's almost there's almost like so many different things going on with like the feud and the conflict between stefan's father and the conflict with dragons that it almost feels like it's a bit too much to some extent yeah it might feel i can imagine a, a couple it feeling a little dense for a lot of kids yeah which this is not to say that like kids don't have the capacity to do this but uh for very young children like the concept of a feud or like like uh traditional like societal expectations like the ones with the dragons that might be a little foreign to them yeah. i'm sure some of them might be familiar with those sort of experiences but it's it's just interesting to see like the sort of effort they put into writing this whole thing 
Uh, but uh, Stefan's nice enough, and he uh, shows Rapunzel around the town to ex- inspect the silver paintbrush to see where it might come from. And they take it to the silversmith, and he says, Oh, it was made by my brother, uh-huh. who is in the other town, who I can't see ever. And the fact that he is just bringing this up to the prince, yeah. and it's like, this I mean, well, they did ask him. They were like, can we go see your brother? And he was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Here's why. Yeah, that's true. It's it, it's very interesting. Uh, they add a lot. It does make this whole fantasy city feel a lot more lived in and realistic. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, it's also I, established that uh, Mother Gothel had come into town herself. Kind yes, of. she was in the most conspicuous black cloak covering yes. her. But, uh, so anyway, they're talking some more, and the prince invites her to the ball. And uh, that's when Penelope burst out from the magical portal because Gothel's coming back, and if Rapunzel doesn't go back she might hurt Penelope's father. Yeah, which is a very interesting kind of conflict to put on, like, a child character. Yeah. Because that's a very sort of intense situation where you, like, you have to be the protector of your own parent, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, like, an interesting sort of trolley problem where, like... And it kind of, like, also helps to reinforce Barbie slash Rapunzel's characterization where she's willing to put herself into harm's way if it means that she can protect others. And yeah. Which is a pretty admirable quality. So, and Pe- of course, Penelope is very uh, anxious to go through the portal. Mm-hmm. So, because that's sort of established that she's kind of uh, not one to go into situations like that. Yeah. But essentially, like, even though Rapunzel does not want to go back, she essentially has to, and, they, and, they're, and they're both able to get back in time by painting another portal that yes. leads on a doorway that's kind of down these stairs near this maze yes. by the castle, which will be important later. Yes, and when they come back, Gothel still pretty much knows what's up with Rapunzel. Yeah. Uh, she isn't exactly duped by a lot of this stuff, but uh, interestingly enough, uh, while Gothel is visiting the neighboring kingdom of... Is it King Wilhelm? Yeah, King Wilhelm. Wilhelm Scream. Yeah, uh, the, King, King Wilhelm Scream. Uh, yeah. His men trashed the marketplace. Yeah, you see, whenever they, like, showed them, like, doing this stuff, the whole time I was thinking they were going to reveal at some point that she had been the one who was doing this because they would never yeah. show them doing it on screen. Yeah. But it ended up not being the case. So no. we just got, like I said before, we just got established that our hero character just, like, is okay with setting deadly thorn traps around. Yeah. It does paint some of the future conflict stuff a little weirdly, but... Yeah, because we never really see uh, their kingdom doing going Anything. to do the same thing. Yeah, they definitely feel like the aggressors. Yeah. But, I mean, well, you could do figure out why later on they would be, but... So she's kind of... She's still sort of trapped in there, and I'm not sure if this moment happened now or I'm thinking of another time, but it's, like, at night, and, like, the Hugo, the big dragon, kind of passes by her, and she's sort of, like, trapped in this tower, and they almost kind of have, like, a little bit of a moment there for yeah. a second. Yeah, well, actually, this is what happens. So this is the second time that Gothel comes up to the tower and asks, like, uh, who did you... Who is the guy? 
tell me, I want names. Mm-hmm. Give me receipts. Uh, the Rapunzel still tells the truth and says he doesn't know his name. And Gothel says, okay, if you're not going to tell me the truth, I'm going to keep you trapped in this tower. And anyone who is a liar within this barrier cannot leave. And it's like... Oh, no, that was uh, later. It was, was it later? No, I'm, I'm fairly certain. No, the barrier w- thing didn't happen until after the dress scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's the if that's a scene where that moment happens, we can do the dress talk about the dress scene. Yes. So yes. uh so yes, the prince invited her to a masked ball mm-hmm. and and this was a little nice bit of setup where she was like, How will you recognize me? Oh, your hair is a beautiful getaway giveaway. It is a beautiful getaway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, she uh so she decides that she needs to get a dress, and so she paints a dress mm-hmm. on the wall and just walks into it and has it on her. Yeah, and the first dress, see, when I was a kid, this was the dress I liked because it was kind of... Yeah, it was It was nice and simple. It had, like, a very nice, like... Uh, sort of, like, split thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. It, 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 it's not a mermaid dress. Mermaid mm-hmm. dresses are a different style. Yeah, but mermaid ha- is where it's like it's like frilly. tied at the bottom yeah. except for the thigh uh-huh. area. But yeah. this one had it was definitely a more slightly modern gown. Like it kind of struck me more like almost like an upside down flower. The way that it sort of petaled yeah. out. It it was a nice design. This is a segment we call Barbie dress review where <laughs> we. <laughs> Yeah, and all these dresses. Lo and behold, I do agree with our assessment at the very beginning. Where, yeah, you're right. This one was kind of the best dress, but but apparently it was too simple. And it's like, yeah, and so she paints a different dress, and she almost gets like this weird kind of like Bo Peep looking thing going. Oh my god, that one was with like a like a. It had so many bows and like a yeah. No, I very much remember this section. From my childhood. Yeah, and after that, she changes it up, and she, like, does this thing where she, like, starts to resemble, like, a modernist painting. Yes, that was an interesting little thing where... Yeah, well, not, like, modern, but, like, a you know those, like, paintings that are just, like, triangles and lines? Yes, it it struck me very uh, Picasso, for lack of a better artist, that it would resemble... So Barbie's ahead of time, but that was that was too much. So she finally gets the iconic kind of like a cover dress where it is a purple dress, mm-hmm. of course, and it is like a like the ballet dress from Nutcracker. It is very yeah. very sparkly. <laughs> it is very sparkly, and a lot of the stuff animation wise in this movie has definitely improved versus the last movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the character animation is better, the motion capture that they potentially used was done a lot more smoothly, and there was a lot less of an uncanny effect to it. Uh, but the sparkles, yeah, the sparkles look very artificial. Yeah, well, you always gotta have it, like I said, you always got a scene where Barbie changes into her fancier dress that you can make the toys out of. Yep. But she got that, and just as she's ready to go, uh-oh, here comes Gothel. Yep. And this is where the scene where she enchants the tower so a liar can't leave. 
Yeah, she says, someone with a lying heart cannot leave the tower, and he gets kind of covered in this sort of green magic. But before even that, she ends up cutting Rapunzel's hair. Mm -hmm. So they do have the scene of Gothel cutting her hair, even though in this movie, the hair is just like an aesthetic thing. Yeah, it does. And it's weird because all the characters are like, no, no, not the hair. And it's just like. The guy just, he won't be able to recognize her any other way. Yeah. Like, like Hobie and Penelope showed the masks that they made for her. And it was, it was just a tiny mask. Like he could recognize her. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Uh, Either way. Anyway, Gothel. She's got a dance to go to, yeah, but she not did. before she chains up Hugo. Yeah, and before, I'm not sure if it was in this scene, but I do know there was some kind of scene where Barbie, kind of, I mean, Rapunzel does have like a moment with Hugo when she's in the tower where they kind of like acknowledge her. And it's almost sort of a moment of like, you are also trapped in this bad situation. Yeah, and indicates that Hugo's maybe got a little bit more depth, a yeah. lot more to account I for. I definitely think he's a pretty interesting character because usually the sort of like kind of like harsh bad figures, but yeah. then you kind of learn that he's like in a really bad situation that he's essentially been trapped this way mm-hmm. for a very long time, and he kind of like has to deal with the fact that he sort of has to, like, impose that on his daughter. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's a lot of really interesting stuff. And uh, to bring forward this point home, uh, Gothel chains him to the castle. Yeah. And he can't leave. It's almost as if because he wasn't willing to change his ways, he imprisoned himself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Eventually... The, we cut to the ball as Stefan is like, oh, I'm waiting for the most beautiful girl, father. Yes. Oh, I would love to meet her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. But, oh, he sees Gothel in a Rapunzel wig. Yeah, and she's like, she like attached the hair to her. Her hat, and it's like... Which doesn't really count for the completely different facial structure, but... Oh, know. yeah, completely different facial structure. The fact that she's like super tall, the fact that she's got like those very like big gaps between her eyes and her eyebrows. Like, yeah. did you notice how just like how pointed her eyebrows got at certain the, the, point. Everyone knows the higher your brows are, the evil you're, the eviler you are. That's yep. just rules, okay? I don't know how he could pick... Like, and... So, Gothel begins luring her, him out of the ball, and he's just and like, And she has Wait. this amazing walk <laughs> cycle going on. Yeah, so with these walk cycles, it's very clear that they animated the legs under the dresses, and the, d- the dresses were acting as sort of physics objects, so that, like, the way they bend with fabrics. Pretty standard stuff, but I th- with animation like this, sometimes you got to mask that sort of stuff, because when you do, like, the actual full running cycles and things like dresses, it's just, it makes it look like... It looks like, like she's, like, fast walking. Yeah, she's her... got... It's, it's very strange because you don't really see her legs moving, but you see her arms, like, really moving yeah. back and forth. And it is... It was amazing. It was... <laughs> so he he essentially thinks that she's Rapunzel and that she's, like, playing coy. Yeah, like... even though, like, at certain points, she's, like, literally five feet away. And it's like, dude, 
I get that he's got the ma- she's got the mask, but like mm-hmm. you you can't you can't not notice that, right, yeah. dude? Either way, maybe uh, she thought maybe he thought that the Gothel's actual whole face was just a big old mask. <laughs> How'd you like my old woman mask? <laughs> just takes off the whole head. Yes. Oh, uh, man. So, eventually they meet each other in the middle of the courtyard, and then she reveals who she is, and she immediately starts trying to murder him with yeah. a magic blast. She doesn't waste any time. Like, she just, like, a quick flick of the finger, and boom, bolts, explosion, Stefan dodging, and it's like... Jesus! She is out for blood. She is out she for is... blood, and she do not give up. I do appreciate... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate a Barbie movie where the villain is just unrepentantly evil. Yeah. I mean, we sort of got that with Tim Curry as the Rat King, yeah. but I feel like the merits of the Rat King and Nutcracker were pretty much only on Curry's voice acting versus whatever the... Because... He wasn't really given a whole lot of material to yeah, work he with. He mostly just turned people to stone. Which yeah. Is like, but she's gonna, like... But she's, like, Angelica Houston, she'll kill you. She don't care. She's... She'll destroy you. Exactly. Chain you to a castle, leave you to die. Don't matter to her. Mm-hmm. So, after that, we kind of go back to Rapunzel, and uh, Penelope goes down to talk to her dad, yep. who is trapped, and he essentially is like, You're such a disappointment to me, Penelope. Then, and she's just like, shut up, Dad. I'm going to say my thing. I'm going to assert myself as a strong, independent dragon who don't need your approval. Yes. And so she, end, she ends up going like, hey, did you know that uh, you should help Rapunzel? Because Rapunzel actually uh, sacrificed her own freedom to save you from being yeah. killed. And after that, he warms up pretty quickly. Yeah. And it is sort of like a sudden kind of It's a little bit of a turn. sudden turn, but... At yeah. this point, we're like, uh, it might have, I maybe that's, it was meant to, like, just reinforce, like, oh, she's that, Barbie is that good that she'll make this cold, heartless dragon feel loved. Yeah. So he kind of, like, goes on a spiel, like, I've realized that uh, courage is more than just being strong. It's and, about being strong of heart, you know? And that's a very good lesson, actually. Like, yeah. it's... It definitely is a lesson that I think a lot of girls, and especially boys, could learn that, hey, just because you express yourself emotionally doesn't mean that you're inherently less brave or strong or anything like that. And it's nice. But Hugo realizes if Rapunzel is not a liar, then she should be able to escape the tower with no problem, which... Yeah, Turns they out. probably should have had a thing where they established that, like, it would, like, hurt her if she yeah, tried to get out. Yeah, that's... They really don't explain that part. I said the, the it, bounds of magic are never really explained in this world. You just gotta I, go for it. Yeah, which I think is perfectly fine. I don't, I'm not one of those people that expects an explanation. Deep Rapunzel lore analysis. Yes. If wow, we they never the, explained how the magic came from. Such a plot hole. Ding! But the... Yeah, I just think it might have been interesting, like, because they had that, like, butterfly that was flying out of the painting. Like, something that could have been just neat. Just have the butterfly fly to the barrier and just be like... They would not zap a butterfly. They would not zap... No, not even, like, zap the butterfly. Just make it bounce it so it couldn't leave the barrier. Does that mean the butterfly is a liar? 
Okay, yeah, that would admittedly make complicate things. Or what is the butterfly lying about? Okay, oh or bad example. Maybe instead, like maybe she throws like a book or an object or even the paintbrush. No, okay. she destroyed the paintbrush. Remember? Yeah, she could have just destroyed the paintbrush oh, by throwing it up against the barrier. Yeah, I noticed something. Yeah, you were kind of saying doing thing during the thing that they were going to like rebuild the paintbrush, but they never actually do. She just kind of like leaves through the window. Yeah. And the paintbrush never comes back. Yeah, they never bring up the paintbrush again, which maybe that's just because it's it's too op for this world. Yeah, you got said. who whoever the DM is for this fantasy yeah. world. They gotta. They need to... This paintbrush is... Nope. Can't have that. Nope. She, she's way too low level to use it. Anyway. <laughs> so, Barbie reaffirms her bravery by jumping out the tower onto Penelope's back. And Penelope reaffirms her bravery by flying all the way to the kingdom. Yes. She flies over the magical wall. Mm-hmm. And her father looks on in pride. That's my child. Yeah, that's... That's so, my girl. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful yes. relationship. Anyway. Yeah, and so while Stefan is being chased, eventually his, like, little siblings come up. Yeah. And they establish later that little bullhead kid, like, had, like, an arrow. A bow and arrow set that he liked to practice with. Yeah, so he, like, kind of pins he, her sleeve with an arrow. Which doesn't stop her. Yeah, and the, and the girls start, like, throwing food at her, which you think they would try to alert the other people. Yeah, that's the thing that I was, like, I get it, you want to do, like, this slapsticky sort of thing. Oh, food throwing at the bad guy, but yeah. you could, I don't know. It. Yeah, and so, and also she, so she attempts to murder some children. Yes, she, she does, again, Gothel don't care. She zaps at the kid's. They run away. She's about to zap, uh, she's about to bullhead, but, Mm -hmm. uh, Stefan, like, uh, basically throws something onto a large banner, causing it to fall and land on her, which could have killed her if it weren't cloth, but, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she's a, she is out for blood, but either way... And so while all this is going on, Rapunzel flying is over, uh, King Wilhelm is also coming yes. into the fray. Suddenly, the guards outside are just Metal Gear style choked and incapacitated by Wilhelm's guards. Yeah, and apparently they only have like two guards working tonight in this big event. At least at the entrance way, yeah, so. I mean, well, none of them come to help later on. Oh, so. that's true. Most of these guards are pretty useless, which I feel is going to be a very common theme in a lot of these Barbie movies yeah. and fantasy medieval That's settings. That's just, it's not a true fantasy setting if you don't have, like, some bogus guards that can be <laughs> dispatched very simply. Very simply. But, yeah. yeah, suddenly they burst in, uh, he, guests start running out, uh, what Stefan's father's name again? I don't know. Frederick. Yeah, they... they... Frederick draws a sword and Wilhelm and uh, Frederick just go at it, slashing at each other. And I gotta say, from another animation standpoint, like, another area that has improved was, like, the sword fighting, which it also seems like this was also done in motion capture. So I think it's very clear by watching these movies that they did a lot of great improvements in, in how they animated these characters. As this is occurring, uh, Gothel also runs in, to which uh, Wilhelm's like, Gothel? 
Wilhelm. And it turns out, I guess they were lovers. lovers? <laughs> like uh, they, it seemed like they were like maybe he, had a thing that he says that he didn't. Love we were her. friends, and yeah. it's like you loved me. It's like. I didn't love you. You don't know what love means. And this admittedly is like a... Yeah, it does feel very kind of like doing the woman scorn Yeah, which, I mean, it's not like it's inherently bad, but... Yeah, I don't know. I honestly prefer when Gothel or the Witch from Rapunzel in stories is just like, I'm just mad because he messed with my vegetables or something. Or like, it's completely like sort of self-serving in her motivations. Yeah, I think the only reason why it bothers me so much is because we don't really get a, like, a woman scorn thing. It only works when you already have a very established, complex characterization for yeah. your characters. And that doesn't seem something that's afforded to Gothel. Like, yeah, I mean, she's, like, so, like, kind of cartoonally evil that sort of, like, making her whole motivation being like a guy didn't like me just yeah it just makes it seem all the more yeah because like the witch from the original story is interesting because she's like so petty that she like Mm -hmm. ruins this guy's life for like stealing her veggies but when you put it in this one it almost kind of just feels kind of like contrived a bit you know a little bit but yeah uh yeah like as much as we've enjoyed angelica houston's performance in this i this is definitely probably the weakest part of the movie in my opinion yeah, like it's just I don't know, it just kind of comes out like um, i mean they did foreshadow they it did foreshadow it to be fair but it feels sort of like a lame motivation for a villain yeah. especially especially since we don't know who rapunzel's mother is so we don't really get a whole good comparison between like why did she why did he choose her over gothel like yeah and so essentially it, we find out that the feud happened because uh wilhelm thinks that uh Frederick, Frederick stole his daughter. And he doesn't believe Frederick when Frederick says, I didn't do it. And yeah. this l- escalated to this big feud. And Well, it's a, it's like a it's like a parallel to that other thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very it's almost as if like when people are too set in their traditions, it can cause them to lose touch with reality and make things more detrimental to both them and the people that they affect. Yeah. Mm. So essentially, Gothel reveals, "No, I took your daughter I did it all. because I she would have been my daughter if I would have been your wife." And yeah, because that's how genetics work. Yeah. So essentially, even though she never shows any motherly tendencies she, yeah. to Rapunzel, like at all. it would be one thing if she was more backhanded yeah. about or motherly about it. Like, like we said, it's like apparently she's. Fairly competent at like capturing people with mm-hmm. her, so it's kind of I don't know. Yeah, it again. A lot of this stuff would have been greatly improved if they just decided to make Gothel a little afford her a little bit more like explanation, just a little bit more time, so we could actually know what her what her damage is. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Like heck, even a scene where like. Uh, when Rapunzel talks about, like, I met a person, like, Goth, that could have been a great prime opportunity for Gothel to be like, oh, you don't want to deal with men. They'll betray, like... You know, that would have been a good moment. That, yeah. yeah, it could have been, like, a good moment where it's, like, where it might be seen as, like, she actually does genuinely want to protect her, mm-hmm. but it... And granted, it could be... 
there are a lot of ways that could end up feeling very contrived and kind of weak, but I feel like it would be better than uh, some of the stuff that we got for her. And so just as they're arguing, who not it be, but Rapunzel comes coming in. She's like, stop all of this, and no more suffering. Yeah, no more hate. She wants, so that kind of goes back to the the theme of breaking cycles of abuse. And Mm -hmm. that's... Rapunzel decides that she doesn't want there to be any more conflict. And yeah, speaking of course, truth to power. And of course that Gothel starts chasing her, and now she's trying to blast her. Yeah, and she knocks down a, a chandelier, and the chandelier just causes the ground to burst into flames, even though this is a marble floor. Like, I get there might have been, like, oil lamps on that yeah. chandelier and stuff, but that's something that... Got that 2002 fire effects going yes, I, on. Yes, Mattel, I also have that After Effects plug-in, but... Yes. So after that, Gothel kind of chases her through the maze, and there's a moment where Rapunzel kind of, like, turns around and she was like, I will forgive you for what you did. I just want the fighting to stop. Yeah, she gives her an out, and this sort of reinforces, again, breaking cycles of abuse. Like... That's a nice thing about uh, these movies, where uh, on one hand, the fact that they give Gothel this out shows that like that this kind empathetic option is open to people. But some and it, it kind of ex- shows that like, hey, it's not always going to work. Yeah, and, I do notice in a lot of like sort of like you see it in Disney movies, but a lot of children's movies where the villain they don't want like the actions of the hero to be too morally ambiguous if they just, like, straight up, like... Murder them. Kill the villain or, like, decent cruel to the villain. Like, they want there to be a scene where they, like, try to give them one more chance to, like, save themselves before they decide to, you know, not take that chance. Mm Kind of to make it seem like, well, you can't really, like, accuse the hero of doing something kind of maybe cruel because yeah exactly even if it would be like a justified situation for them to do something like that yeah shows that she's better than Mm -hmm. her yeah but either way so that uh portal that she had painted on the door down the stairs becomes important because she uh walks down the hallway and slams the door in in gothel's face causing her to teleport into the tower so like hey good setup movie you set up the area she she was like i'm i'll be sure to clean it up later kind of implies like oh keep this in mind because we'll go back to it later yeah while also being kind of true to her characterization because this barbie would be the kind of person that would clean up a painting she made yeah and that explains why she didn't just like paint it on the wall or anything yeah so Gothel is teleported into the tower and it causes all the magic in the mansion to be dispelled. Yeah, except for the spell that uh, keeps liars in. Mm-hmm. It turns out she is a lying liar who lies. And, and she... Otto is follows after her mistress. And yeah, yeah, Otto had uh, gotten uh, scorched earlier. By, and, uh, yeah, weird Penelope's frame. Com- uh, yeah, Penelope suddenly knows how to breathe fire, which... Yeah, I guess you do one sort of brave thing, you just all the other things. Yeah, come. I mean, she found that internal fire. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's got that burning, <laughs> burning passion. Yeah, burning inside my heart. Yeah, okay, so. But yeah, they're both transported there, and now Gothel can never leave. And honestly, 
that might be kind of a fate worse than death. If yeah. you think about it, like, the idea of being completely trapped I in a mean, room. it's kind of a style slayer. I guess she isn't doing too bad because she, she just makes the weasel do all her stuff and, like, bring her food, so, you yeah. know. Yeah, so I guess getting into the epilogue then. Yeah, of course, uh, Wilhelm and uh, Rapunzel realize that she's the lost daughter. Yeah, and now the feud is all taken care of and they, they make peace with each other. Yeah. And, and also, uh... Yeah, there's not a lot of mothers in this movie. We never get to know who, who Penelope's mother is. And Rapunzel's who's... mother is shown, but she like we never see her interact with Rapunzel. We don't know who Stefan's mother is. Yeah, and she never gets any lines. Yeah. Just there, there ain't no mothers in there this. Ain't there's no the mothers one, of... except for Gothel, but she's a, you know. But she doesn't even act motherly, which is yeah. very strange. But, so yeah, uh, with with her reunited with her biological parents... She marries Stefan, which, okay, it's less sudden than the whole, I love you, from Nutcracker, but it's yeah. still a little, like, it almost kind of strikes as, like, a diplomatic thing, where it's like, oh, you guys kind of like each other, marry each other, so the feud is over. Yeah, I mean, I guess no hard feelings? I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, despite... attempted murder on my daughter, but whatever. Uh-huh, yeah, either way, uh, so they're married, and it's established that they, uh... They move off to the mansion. Yeah. Or, no, or no, their own castle. They go to their own castle, like, she stays in the... the Gothel stays in the mansion. Yes. Because she's trapped. But they get their own castle by the ocean, which kind of goes back to the mural they show at the very beginning that Barbie mm -hmm. was painting with the castle by the ocean. Yep. And, and uh, they uh, talk about how, like, Hobie, Penelope, and Hugo are all get their happy endings, and they're all there. And... Yeah, and they kind of show that, like, oh, Gothel isn't dead. She still gets to eat. Which, it, it leaves a lot of weird stuff with uh, Otto, because Otto seems to be able to leave the tower, so I guess he's not a liar. Yeah, I mean, I guess he, he's just, he's very honest and forthcoming with his uh, sass, so. I guess, but it <laughs> uh, feels like a lot of Otto stuff could have been easily transferred into, like, a generic evil crow character that would just be perched on her shoulder. Like, you didn't no, need to make... No, but they just had to go for gotta the go. gay weasel. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get your sassy gay weasel friend. Uh, yeah, that's evil. Oh, <sighs> anyway, so, but then they go back to the framing device, and then Barbie delivers a speech to Kelly. She was like... So you see, you have to... What was even the moral uh, at the I end of this know. thing? It's see, that's a problem with a lot of these framing devices. Within these actual narratives, there's there are actual morals and themes and ideas that they're imparting onto your audience that it, they don't feel they didn't feel that subtle, mm -hmm. and they felt constantly reinforced. And then when we get back, it's just like you can, like, yeah. According to according to the Wikipedia page, it reads Kelly now feels better. And begins painting with blue after Barbie reminds her that creativity is the true magic in art. Except there was really nothing there in creativity in this. Yeah. Because Barbie, Barbie is discouraged from being too creative with her dresses because that uh -huh. one was too ahead of its time. Yeah, that's... And plus, like, Barbie doesn't even... True, it's shown that she is a somewhat skilled painter at the very beginning. Yeah. But with the magic paintbrush, the brush just... 
does it for her. Yeah. Creativity don't got nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, and even the painting she was doing, she was just doing, like, portraits and landscapes, you know? It's yeah, not... it's, it's, yeah. It, 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 just, it felt like one of those morals that needed to be tacked on. Yeah. Like, if, I feel like this just would have been more better if they stuck with the generic be brave thing. Yeah. Or, Okay. Wasn't that the theme they tried to put in the last one? Yes, it was like, but... you gotta be brave like Clara. Yeah, but it it's strange, because, like, I don't know. It, it just feels like so many of these framing devices just miss the mark. Yeah. I mean, as these movies go on, they kind of throw the framing devices out the window, because I think they realize that they don't work really yeah, at all. I mean, like, they don't really know how to integrate them that well, I've noticed. Like, I don't know, I, I kind of forget what moral they're trying to do in the Swan Lake one, but I guess we'll find out when we do that yeah. one. Well, I guess that's as good a time as any to stop. Because, uh, yeah. Overall, I think this movie, I think it, I think I enjoyed it more than Cracker. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Because yeah, this is, I don't remember, like, enjoying it, especially as a kid, but going back as an adult, I think I can almost kind of appreciate this one a bit more. Yeah, I think so, too. Perhaps some of the more adult messages and the these themes of, like, uh, breaking cycles of abuse and, like, dealing with, like, emotional repression, those things might be... Uh, going over some kids' heads, but yeah. I think you see, something... as a kid, all I all I wanted to look at was pretty dresses. So the scene with pretty dresses was the only one that stuck in my well, mind. <laughs> I like to think that there were some kids out there that watched this movie and did sort of like pick up on those lessons yeah. too, and sort of took it to heart. And uh, yeah, I think honestly, this is a sort of movie that like if you're a parent with young kids and and you have, like, this sort of similar discerning eye for, like, storytelling and, like, uh, doing this sort of literary analysis. Like, it's got very simple ideals, they're constantly reinforced, and they're done so in a way that's surface level enough, yet subtle, where it's not being, like, bashed over the head. And I definitely feel like Rapunzel feels like a more active protagonist than Clara did, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and we also got even a really good female secondary character with Penelope. Yeah, Penelope does. Yeah, Penelope, she's only the character we felt like could have been really annoying, but she's actually a pretty charming character, which probably has somewhat to do with Cree Summers voicing her, and just just her, I think, had a pretty good arc, so... Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I, I give this movie uh, four magic paintbrushes out of five, so. Yeah, I would have to agree. Mm-hmm. So, I think with that, uh, that's all we got for us today. So, as always, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Pink Isle Pod, where you'll see upcoming updates for future episodes and other little fun Barbie stuff. And, yeah, Emma, you got anything? Uh, I mean, uh, just uh, if you see my work at uh, USI's The Shield, that is me. Mostly, I'm just I'm just doing my own thing over here. So. Well, good on you for that. And yeah. uh, you, listener, you probably know me. Uh, you can follow me at Kathman Henry on Twitter. Uh, you can also go on to henrykaufman.tumblr.com, which is still undergoing some uh, construction stuff as I kind of figure out a way to nicely compile all my work. But 
uh, yeah, whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on, uh, be it iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Podbean, SoundCloud, what have you, don't forget to leave us a rating. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, maybe give us a like and a subscribe. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so I guess so, this is the Pink Owl Podcast. Yeah. So... But one last thing, uh, next time we're going to be going over uh, 2003 Swan Lake, so I'm sure you'll have plenty of yes, things to say. I about. have a lot of memories of this one. I am looking forward to it. So. Well, I certainly can't wait, and we hope you can't wait for the next episode of The Pink Isle. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Bye.